it was kind of therapeutic for me to do the song to kind of help me get over because I'm so pathetic in the song. Like, you know what I mean? That's what the root is. I'm, she got it on me, and I'm just fucked up, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was it was it was good for me to get over that. That it was hard for me even to do that song sometimes recording because when doing it, I was I have to put myself in that mode, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this podcast, we're going to take a look back at one of the most incredible and dopest albums of the 2000s. Uh, It is one of the greatest neo-soul albums Hands down. That's right. We're talking about D'Angelo's second album entitled Voodoo. On January 25th, the year 2000, this album actually dropped. So it's been 20 years. And it's really mind boggling when you think about it, because this album doesn't feel like it's been, you know, out for 20 years, but it actually has. And we're going to break it down on this particular podcast. Um, I guess before we start talking about the album, we got to take a trip back a little bit further than that. Um, when you look at the landscape of what was actually happening in the year 2000, uh, there was a shift. And to be quite honest, there was even a shift within Neo Soul Uh Around this time, you know, Erica Badu had dropped Baduism. Uh, Maxwell had came out with his first album, uh, and also, yeah, I mean, you could never forget the uh, miseducation of Lauren Hill. Um, so Neo Soul was riding a huge wave, and to be quite honest, someone like D'Angelo, who dropped his debut album in 1995, uh, Brown Sugar. D'Angelo was away from the scene and of course we didn't have, you know, the internet back then. So to be honest, I don't know what D'Angelo was doing at this particular time, but I just remember getting word that, you know, a new album was coming from D'Angelo and it had been five years since uh, the first album. Um, and it, it, it was really a, a different time in music because this was during the, the, the CD era. Um, this album came just a few months before, uh, the file sharing, uh, file sharing entity Napster. Um, and it actually came out (laughs) a couple of years before the iPod. So, you know, I just wanted to kind of give you some context as to what was really going on, you know, before this album actually came out. But again, we were... If you were a fan like myself of D'Angelo's, you were waiting for, you know, something new to come from him. Now, I don't need to tell you about Brown Sugar because Brown Sugar was a an incredible debut. And uh, if you're familiar with this podcast, you've been following this podcast. I did a podcast uh, about a year or two ago um, with my uh, homegirl, Janae. Shout out to Janae. Uh we did a joint called uh, Brown Sugar versus Voodoo, where we went back and forth talking about 
you know, which album was actually better. And, and to me, it's almost like splitting hairs. Uh, so if you didn't get a chance to check out that podcast, when you finish listening to this one, you can go back and listen to that one as well. Um, but uh, it, it was interesting, you know, just kind of talking about D'Angelo, the individual, and really, you know, where he was musically, as you all know, or maybe you don't know, D'Angelo was someone who was uh, heavily influenced by the likes of Jimi Hendrix, um, Sly Stone, George Clinton, all the way from Marvin Gaye to Stevie Wonder, definitely Curtis Mayfield. Um, I'd probably say he's probably influenced by uh, Al Green, Otis Redding, and of course, uh, it goes without saying that he is influenced by Prince. I mean, who wouldn't be influenced by Prince? Um, nonetheless, you heard all of those elements on the first album, on the Brown Sugar album. Uh, we didn't really know what to expect with this second album. Um, like I said, the the little bit of information that I got was that I do remember hearing that uh, he would be working with um, my man Questlove from the roots uh quest love was deemed the executive producer of this album and so you know me being a huge fan of the roots me and me being a huge fan of d'angelo's i couldn't wait to hear this album um and so it was just a situation where again it had been a while and normally in music at least back then artists generally didn't take a lot of time in between, you know, them in between releasing music. So really for for us to have to wait <laughs> for us to have to wait uh, five years for an album to come out, uh, that was a little different. Um, but honestly, if you're a fan of D'Angelo's, you knew that it was going to be worth the wait. So like I said, this album comes out uh January 25th, the year 2000. And um, it was crazy, man, because there were some singles that were released, you know, prior to the album coming out. But honestly, we still didn't know what to expect. Uh, like I said, the only thing we knew was that Questlove would be working with D'Angelo and, um, you know, the album was coming. Uh before I get into the tracks, uh, let me just give you a little brief overview as far as like the production. Um, now, this album, again, it's Neo Soul, right? So it's <laughs> it's going to be, you know, you knew it was going to be dope anytime you're dealing with Neo Soul and you had the likes of D'Angelo um, and Quest Love. Uh, what we did not know, but would later find out is just how, you know, the production kind of came about and how, you know, the, the forces and and all of the energy surrounding the album. Uh, first and foremost, the album was created in Electric Lady Studio, which is a studio that was um, Jimi Hendrix's studio uh, that he opened up a slightly, uh, I think maybe a couple of years before he passed away um in Manhattan and so you know Stevie Wonder had recorded there uh and so you know it was a situation where D'Angelo kind of wanted to get the vibe of uh not just Jimi Hendrix but you know the likes of Stevie Wonder and so you know you had that energy going on um 
One thing we didn't know as well was that at the same time that this album was being produced, um, Questlove, who is labeled the quote unquote co-pilot of this album, uh, he was actually also producing um, Common's album like Water for Chocolate, which is one of my favorite uh, albums, uh, favorite hip hop albums. Uh, definitely my favorite from Common. And he was also producing uh, Mama's Gun by Erica Badu. Uh, and so the way that it was set up in Electric Lady Studio was that, you know, D'Angelo might have one room. Uh, they might be working with Common in the next room. And in the room over from that room, they may be working with Erica Badu. So you had a whole lot of different energy and, and, and people coming in and out. Uh, also, uh, Q-Tip came through. Um, Q-Tip from a, a Tribe Called Quest, uh, Talib Kweli from uh, Black Star, and uh, of course uh, James Poser, who is the composer for a lot of the Roots music and, and everything. So there was a lot of synergy going on in these studio sessions. And I remember listening to an interview later on, and the, uh, the audio engineer who uh, did Voodoo, a guy by the name of Russell Elevato, uh, he said that what they did was they used old school recording techniques. So everything is analog. Um, but he also said that it was just a, basically plugins, analog and live instrumentation. He said most of the most of the album, with the exception of Untitled, How Does It Feel, um, was recorded live. No overdubbing, just live instrumentation. And. If you're a fan of Neo Soul, if you're a fan like myself of just great music, there's nothing better than listening to live instrumentation. So uh, while I can appreciate, you know, the computer, the computer based music, if you will, um, there's something to be said for being able to be in a studio and have live music and just record. And Questlove also said that in the, the recording process was, you know, they just recorded and they just recorded and recorded and recorded. And then a lot of the stuff that they recorded just stuck. And um, I mean, just imagine coming into a studio and just having a jam session and you just jam for four hours straight. And then you look up and lo and behold, you've got a song. So you get that feel when you're listening to this album. I mean, it's it's really, really prevalent. Uh, all throughout the album as far as how um, the instrumentation, the the live instruments sound. And I think that's, honestly, it's a lost art, to be honest. I mean, because, you know, everything is so computerized now and you know, auto-tunes and, you know, so music definitely does not sound uh, sonically uh, like this anymore. But, um, this album, you know, they, they had that on there. And I think this is one of the things that one of the many things that stand out with this album. Um, but uh, but yeah, the production was crazy. Um, almost all of the songs, actually, all of the songs on the album, uh, 13 tracks, um, all of the songs are produced by D'Angelo, um, with the exception of. Uh, Devil's Pie, which is uh, co-produced by DJ, the 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 the, the world famous DJ Premier, and um, Untitled, How Does It Feel, and Africa were both uh, co-produced by the great Raphael Sadiq from Tony Tony Tony. 
Uh, other than that, you know, uh, that was it. It was just really just, you know, D'Angelo being the producer and putting everything together. And then, of course, they had, you know, some they had some heavyweights coming in as far as, uh, you know, working with the uh, live instruments. Um, everyone from, you know, Angie Stone, who, you know, sang on some tracks, uh, like as the aforementioned James, James Poyser, uh, Roy Hargrove, um, Pino Palandino, um, who else? Uh, also contributions from the great Reggie Noble, a.k.a. Redman, and uh, Clifford Smith, <laughs> a.k.a. Method Man. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of talent and a lot of energy around surrounding this album. Um, but, yeah, the 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 album was incredible. Uh, it was critically acclaimed at the time that it was released. This album actually uh, went to being certified platinum. Um but it really wasn't even about the accolades that came with it. Um, while it did receive a lot of accolades, it was a, a, an album that was loved and heralded by not only you know fans, but critics as well. Um, Voodoo actually won a Grammy um, for the best R&B album at the Grammy Awards. Um, and uh, the song Untitled, How Does It Feel, also won Best Male R&B Performance. Uh, so, you know, when you have that kind of, uh, you know, accolades coming along with the album, that should tell you a lot about the album. But I don't think this album is a phenomenal album because it won a Grammy. I just it it's that's just really just the icing on the cake because it was just so dope and so widely accepted as a, a phenomenal album that, you know, Again, it was just the icing on the cake, the fact that they were able to win awards with it. But incredible, incredible album. And again, as I look back on it, it's really hard for me to believe that this album is actually turning 20 years old. It really doesn't feel like that, because if you listen to the sound and the feel of this album, uh, you can almost put yourself back into 2000 at the time that this album came out. And one of the things that I really enjoy about this album, and I tell people all the time, regardless of how you feel about D'Angelo or Questlove or anyone else who performs on this album, this album feels timeless, right? It doesn't feel like it was set in a particular period. It doesn't sound dated when you listen to it. It's, it sounds very much fresh and, you know, up to date and up to par when you play it to this day. Um, honestly, for me, it goes without saying, but I'll tell you anyway. This is one of my favorite albums, period. <laughs> I mean, any genre. I play this album at least once a week. I mean, it's it's that cold to me. But, um, yeah, it, it was uh, it, it was and it came at a time again where, you know, music was shifting. Hip hop was shifting. Uh, R&B, you know, <laughs> was kind of falling by the wayside. But this was Neo Soul at its finest. And again, I can make a case that it's the best Neo Soul album. Definitely one of the best albums, if not the best album of the 2000s, R&B albums. Um 
but yeah, it was just that dope. It was just that dope. And again, when you listen to this album, and if you haven't heard it in a while, I would encourage you after you finish listening to this podcast, yeah, pop it in, man. Spend it a couple of times. It is just that dope. Um, I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick commercial break. And on the other side, uh, well, first we'll hear from Questlove. Uh, Questlove will give you a breakdown as to how they actually recorded the album. And then on the other side, I'll break down the tracks and tell you why this album is as great as I always say that it is. <laughs> so sit tight. We'll be back in just a second. Studio A was D'Angelo's studio. Uh, but because he's notoriously a night person, he he wouldn't even get to the studio till like 6 p.m. He his hours are like from 6 p.m. to 11 a.m. Um, so he would let Common uh do his work. We work with Common in the daytime, so to do like Water for Chocolate, uh, Common's album, we would start at like 10 in the morning get done around six if we had to do more stuff then we go to the b room so now common has the b room d'angelo has the a room and then in the c room you know it'd be like accessory stuff if i gotta do nick acosta's record or Bilal's record or uh erica her album most quali everyone would use the c floor so at one point we just had that entire studio on lockdown and everybody was just going into each other's sessions doing stuff and just like that, we are back. Once again, it's your boy, 12 Kyle. This is the 12 Kyle podcast. And we're taking a look back. Voodoo, 20 years later, uh, the second album from a man, D'Angelo. Uh, as I mentioned before the break, we're going to talk about the tracks. Uh, but I wanted to kind of give you some context. One of the things that stood out to me, um, and I remember hearing you know Questlove say this, as well as D'Angelo uh, say this in an interview, which was <laughs> which was funny because uh, you can go look on YouTube. D'Angelo doesn't do a lot of interviews, uh, so if you see him being interviewed by someone, uh, you want to sit down and listen and watch because uh, he doesn't do a lot of interviews or a lot of press for that matter. Um, Nonetheless, one of the things that kind of resonated with me that both of them said was that this album was kind of created because they were really tired of, you know, the BS that was R&B. Uh, R&B in the late 90s and the early 2000s really didn't sound like the R&B from the earlier 90s and 80s. Um you know, it wasn't about love. It wasn't about, you know, caring and being having compassion for people or what have you. Uh, it was about something else. Sometimes it's about money. Sometimes it's about rap. Sometimes it's about, you know, sex or whatever the case may be. And they just wanted to kind of make a shift and, you know, put their stamp on what they deemed would be good music. So I think when you look at it from that concept, they really were frustrated with where music was. So sometimes when you're frustrated about where music is, it's easier to create from a space to make your own music to push the boundaries and the limits as to what you think the music should sound like. And to me, I think that's what voodoo is. It's it's where they really, really push the boundary. And again, this is a phenomenal album. Uh, this album starts off with... Uh, 
the first track, Player Player. Um, I like this song. Well, actually, I love this song because it starts off really, really slow. And um, the bass line is so dope. It's just, uh, it's, it's thumping. And eventually they get into the, you know, he gets into the song or what have you. But it's it's a very, very good intro to what is to come on the album. Um, then the second song, uh, the aforementioned Devil's Pie. Uh, Devil's Pie was... Um, if I'm not mistaken, Devil's Pie actually, yeah, Devil's Pie actually was the uh, first song that was released on the album. Uh, that song actually came out. It was actually released in 1998, October of 1998. Um, but uh, Devil's Pie was the joint, man, because it uh, featured uh, just really a dope ass sound because it was a mixed mixture of. A neo soul and uh, kind of like a hip hop fusion. Again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, this one was produced by the legendary DJ Premier from Gangstar. Um, so when you combine, you know, Premier's banging beat and scratches and everything like that, along with uh, the fusion of neo soul, I think it comes out really, really beautiful. Now, I did read, and I don't remember anybody in 2000 saying this, but I did remember reading some critics saying that they could have done without, you know, this song on the album. That's BS to me. I mean, like, this song, I think, fits perfectly on the album. I don't think, I would. there was no way I would take it off. Um, but uh, I think this is a very sonic uh measurement and and kind of fusion of like i said a little bit of hip-hop and and neo soul and i think it sounds perfect and it, it fits perfect to where they have it uh placed on the album um then you go into the third song uh left and right featuring red man and method man um i i love this joint man <laughs> i mean it doesn't get much better than having Red Man and Method Man rap over your track. Um, but it's so funky. That's one of the things about this album. Uh, first and foremost, it's a cold-ass album. But not only is it cold, but it's funky. And I mean, like, you can just... There's no way that you can listen to this joint and not bob your head. Um, and, you know, D'Angelo, I'm sure he's fans of Red Man and Method Man and... Uh, I don't know how hard or easy it was for them to get on the track, but I'm pretty sure when he asked, they probably jumped. Um, the The guitar sound on this is just incredible, man. So it's it's uh, it's it's one of the one of the ones that if you aren't feeling the album, which I don't know how you could possibly be not be feeling the album. By the time you get to this track, you you are definitely bobbing your head. Um, then it goes on to the next track, the line, um, and I think. Voodoo kind of changes and shifts a little bit, which is okay in, at this track. And I think you go from being, you know, Devil's Pie was kind of up upbeat, and then Left and Right was kind of upbeat. Uh, the line is much, much slower, much more melodic. Uh, the vocal arrangements are crazy. Uh, there's timing here. There's great tone. There's great texture. Uh, the music is just very, very stern and key. Um, 
I love it, man. I love this joint, man. It, it, it is it is a, a dope-ass song. Um, then you move to the next track, uh, Send It On. Send It On, man. Whoo. <laughs> I talked about this on the podcast with uh, Janae. Um, this is one of my favorites. Uh, this is D'Angelo really, really... Uh, Showing y'all that, you know, even though he had been gone for a while, he was back and, and like they were he, he didn't have any peers. And I think that was one of the things that, um, you know, really stood out to me. His falsetto is crazy. Uh, and I, I don't know that there are many who have, you know, been of especially of his peers and even of his era that had a falsetto like that that sounded so perfect and one of the things one of the dope things about d'angelo was that um i always found this interesting was that d'angelo came across like the guy he, he was widely liked and loved by men and women ladies wanted to get with him fellas wanted to kick it with him you know that that type of dude he, he was just that guy um and then so we move to the next track, uh, Chicken Grease. <laughs> Chicken Grease kind of reminds me of something that, uh, you know, you might hear from Curtis Mayfield or, or maybe even the great George Clinton or somebody like that. Um, you know, it's just funky, man. It is so, so funky. This is a song I think that probably you could have dropped off somewhere in the 70s and been cool with it. Um but another one, this is another banger where the, the, even though the, the tempo changes, uh, D'Angelo, he, he doesn't lose stride in this album. I mean, at, at any point in the album. Uh, and on the next joint, he slows it down with one more again. Um, <laughs> uh, one more again is, you know, a very, very dope ballad uh, where, you know, he's kind of lamenting over you know, some things that happened in a relationship and he's trying to fix it, or at least he would like to fix it. Um, but, uh, man, if you've ever gone through some things in a relationship, one more game will speak to you in that atmosphere. Um, then the next track, The Root, uh, you heard D'Angelo at the top of the podcast talking about, uh, you know, how he felt writing the route and how difficult it was at times for him to actually perform the route. Um, as many of you know, D'Angelo was uh, in a very serious relationship with the, the singer Angie Stone. And I think they, uh, well, I know they had a child, a son. Um, he didn't say specifically that this song was about her, but it's about her. <laughs> uh but yeah it's it's crazy man um in the name of love and war you took my shield and sword whoo <laughs> trust me everybody's been there i don't care if you know if you're a guy or girl whatever the case may be you've gone through some things in a relationship and it made you feel like maybe you know just maybe that this person had something over you and you don't know what it was um but uh yeah the, the the guitar is crazy this 
this song is buttery. <laughs> That's the best way I could describe it. Uh, then we move to the next track, the Spanish joint. Um, everything changes here. Um, Spanish joint is one of my favorite joints on this album. Uh, shout out to the late great Roy Hargrove. Uh, his horns are crazy. I mean, like crazy horns on his joint. Um, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in this studio session because this this song sounds like a jam session. This song sounds like they were just sitting around and they were just playing and this and this is what was created from it. Um, crazy, crazy song. Like I said, one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, then the next track, uh, Feel Like Making Love. Uh, this is a D'Angelo cover. Uh, he did a cover on... Um, the first album for Smokey Robinson's Cruisin'. Um, but this one is uh, Roberta Flack's 1974's Feel Like Making Love. And he does it justice, man. I, this song is, I guess this is the best way I can describe this song. This song is incredibly dope. And it's probably my least favorite song on the album. <laughs> It's not skippable because I'm going to listen. It's probably the least best song on the album. And it's dope as hell. Um, next track. Uh, Great Day in the Morning. Slash Booty. Um, Great Day in the Morning is a southern term. First and foremost. So when I saw that on the track list, I was like, wait a minute. Great Day in the Morning. Um, but uh, Great Day in the Morning, man. It, it is incredible it is a true banger i mean d'angelo is just he's all over the place with this and he you you can't you just have to take this song in i mean like everything from the the, the tempo to the beat to the him you know singing his heart out um but he's still looking for a great day anymore i mean <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, then the next track, uh, Untitled, How Does It Feel? Uh, now, this song is very, very popular. Uh, he shot a video for this song. And in the video, he's naked. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not really naked, but I mean, he actually is naked. But the way that the video was shot... Um, there was a, a screen behind him and a screen in front of him so the people on the set couldn't see him naked we are actually only seeing a video from the waist up and uh, <laughs> I remember there was some crazy rumors back in the day that uh, let's say that there was just a young lady uh, standing in front of D'Angelo as he was singing this at the video and she was, you know, putting in work, allegedly. <laughs> I don't know where that rumor came from, and it sounds crazy, but uh, from what I could tell, that's a lie. Nonetheless, crazy song. Now, if there's ever a time where D'Angelo reminds me of Prince, or you can hear the Prince influence, it's on How Does It Feel? Um and I have to talk about the video along with the song because this, the song was incredible and the video was, was visually dope. But 
the video really put D'Angelo into quote unquote sex symbol status. Uh, you know, when Brown Sugar came out, the first I remember the first video from Brown Sugar was the you know self-titled uh, Brown Sugar. Um, you know, he was dude sitting behind a piano. He had his big jacket on. You know, he wasn't he wasn't showing off his body. You know, but when How Does It Feel came out, I mean, you know, that was the, the joint and everybody, you know, was checking for this video. Like I said, the ladies loved him and, you know, fellas looked at him and was like, yo, how can I get my body like that? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it was crazy, man. D'Angelo, uh, phenomenal song. Um, yeah, it's man when you get a chance check out the video it, it is it is very well shot and you know i saw like a little behind the scenes stuff as far as uh them talking about what how they came up with the concept of it really really dope um and then the album ends with track 13 africa uh africa really reminds me and i talked about it on the podcast with janae uh it took me a while to warm up to this song. And I don't mean a long while, but uh, initially it wasn't like a favorite of mine, but I love this song, man. He just, I think he took him to church. <laughs> you can hear the musical influences. Um, I love this song, man. This song is a banger. It closes out the album perfectly. The subject matter is really, really dope. Um, you can't go wrong. Uh, overall, this is, as I mentioned before, this is a phenomenal album. Uh, I'd be lying if I told you that it wasn't one of my favorite albums because it is. And I'm not just speaking this as a fan just because I think it's a dope album. Um, but I think D'Angelo changed the game in a lot of ways with this album. Uh, you know, not only is it sonically dope but it is it, it's just you put it on and you feel good it's one of those feel good albums um and honestly it's an album that has really truly stood the test of time um like i said it's mind-boggling that it's 20 years old but when you're influenced like d'angelo was by you know guys like sly stone and prince and Stevie Wonder, it makes sense that your music would be timeless because, you know, their music was timeless. Uh, I would implore anyone who's listening to, you know, take a listen to this album and just reflect as far as, you know, where uh, D'Angelo was at that particular time when he recorded this album. And then you also have to keep in mind the fact that for as great as Brown Sugar was and as successful as D'Angelo was, to go away and then come back five years later and some would say make an even better album than your first album that's saying a lot um personally for me like i have to it's just me i like when i listen to, if i listen to brown sugar i gotta listen to voodoo if i listen to voodoo i gotta listen to brown sugar it's just that's just <laughs> that's just the way it is but this is a phenomenal album by an incredibly talented artist. And uh, 25 years, excuse me, 20 years later, uh, we're lucky that he gave us this uh, this classic. 
because it truly is a classic. That's going to do it for me. Thanks again for checking out the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next time. Five G's. Okay, I can uh, can play this this joint. I wrote called Spanish Joint. It's on a new voodoo album.